Welcome to the Blockchain Marketing Podcast, your go-to resource for tried-and-true crypto marketing strategies. As passionate marketers and communication specialists in the space, Simon Moser and Jonathan King of Polygrowth PR bring you the latest trends and techniques that are working right now for their agency's clients and share exclusive insights from special guests who are successful innovators in the industry. So grab your notepad and set your stop losses because you won't want to miss what's next. Here are your hosts, Simon Moser and Jonathan King. Hello and welcome to the Blockchain Marketing Podcast without your host, Jonathan King, but with Simon Moser. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We have a very special guest for you yet again, and his name is Bogdan Maslesser. Bogdan is the Director of Client Relations at Polygrove. He's a very good friend of mine. And most importantly for this episode, he's also the founder of Bitcoin Club Cyprus, which is the largest crypto community uh, on the island of Cyprus. Bogdan has a ton of experience um, with everything around local crypto communities. He knows how to grow them. He knows how to start them from scratch. And he also knows how to use them from marketing or at least how some of his sponsors uh, have used uh, Bitcoin Club Cyprus for their marketing. So there's a ton of valuable information for you here, but that's not even all of it. Because Bogdan has also organized two major crypto events, crypto conferences uh, in Cyprus with more than a four-figure uh, attendance list. So there's a ton to learn about that as well, how to organize such a big conference, you know, how, what the risks are, what to look out for, um, and how maybe you can use that for your advantage. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely stay tuned for this conversation. Bogdan, how are you doing, man? Yeah, thanks, Simon. Happy to be here as well. And uh, thanks for having me on and to answer your question. I'm doing excellent. Awesome, Bogdan. Sounds great. So can you maybe start from the beginning? Why did you start BCC, Bitcoin Club Cyprus, in the first place? What were your intentions and how has it since um, developed? Yeah, sure. So the the start of Bitcoin Club Cyprus was when my personal journey started, um, when I jumped deep down the rabbit hole uh, of Bitcoin and crypto, which was the end of 2017. <clears throat> we back then, it was 30th of November uh, 2017, we had the first Bitcoin, um, it was Bitcoin and blockchain conference in Cyprus that was held in our city of Limassol. And I was actually attending well, not even attending, I was, I was uh, one of the panel uh, moderators on the conference. And that's when uh, I met a few people, interesting people from Malta, which were very early Bitcoin adopters. And after the conference, we went out for some food, we got talking, and they basically didn't really give me a choice. They pushed me. They said, I need to start Bitcoin Club Cyprus. I didn't take it too serious. But then next morning over breakfast, before they, they caught their flight back to Malta, um, they showed me the, the Facebook page, Bitcoin Club Cyprus, which they created, and they said, go ahead, create the Telegram group and basically push, start growing the community and, and push the, the orange pill message across the island of Cyprus. And that was essentially how we got started. Um, and in the beginning, we used to do weekly meetups. So every Wednesday afternoon between six and eight after work, we used to go get together, um, catch some beers, talk some Bitcoin and, and other crypto. And that's essentially how, how it all started. Great. And I would assume that the attendance and, and the frequency of the um, meetups has also decreased due to the market sentiment, right? So once um, markets are looking better, 
you would expect more events taking place and, and higher attendance uh, at these club events. Uh, yes and no. P people like myself who are uh, deep Bitcoin believers, we don't really focus on the price. So I, I can chat Bitcoin all day, every day. But uh, the majority, yes, you're right. Um, when, when Bitcoin is, is on at all-time highs, it's, it's not the most exciting thing. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, we used to do weekly ones in the beginning because back then I had also a lot more time on my hands. Um, at the moment, I've, I've got two small kids and, and time is of an essence. So doing a weekly meetup would, would take a lot, of, a lot of my time. And more than that, I mean, it, like with anything, if you do it too much, if, you, if it's too repetitive, it, it loses its charm and, 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 and kind of the, the excitement of it. So we nowadays do it uh, on a monthly basis. We had, a, I would say, close to two-year break during COVID. Um, we thought about doing like a Zoom hangout, but definitely Zoom hangout is not like hanging out in real life. Um, and since it's just a casual get together with essentially people and the community that we've grown, um, we decided to wait for for a time to resume it. So from earlier this year, we um, relaunched, so to say, our meetups, but now we do them on a monthly basis instead of. So just to be clear, the part of discussing stuff on a Telegram group is also very important, right? It's not just about the physical meetup. It's also about the constant connection. Uh, in a social media group and, and staying in touch and discussing things that that's where it becomes powerful right yeah correct i would say that the, the the biggest heart of of the community is the telegram group that we have um it's not publicly accessible it, it's a private group the reason being is over the years we've had a lot of spammers and, and a lot of bots joining in so now it's more kind of a, a word of mouth promotion and and the members that are in the group um, can send the, the private invite link to, to other members that want to join. So we try to kind of focus on more uh, a smaller uh, but close-knit community instead of having these thousands of, of people in the group and, and nobody's really communicating. Excellent. Um, I want to touch a little bit on marketing here. So obviously, and please correct me if I'm wrong, this group doesn't seem to be a commercial venture of yours it doesn't seem to be focused on generating a profit or direct financial incentive of any kind um, but at the same time you know if you start a group you want to grow it uh, you want to get new members involved um, so what marketing activities have you done to grow the club in the beginning maybe some that you added later on what advice can you give there for people who want to market um, their local community Sure. So yeah, it's 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 definitely a not a not financially incentivized project. It's it's full what I would consider a, a, my philanthropical part of of uh, of what I do, um, and it's essentially just to, as I mentioned earlier, to to orange peel as many people of Cyprus um, as possible, and um, and essentially how we promoted it. We of course, in addition to the Telegram group, we had you know the the, the Facebook group, which. I'm on Facebook for many years, so we had a moderator that, that took care of that and was kind of trying to share all the all the meetup advertisements and 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 so forth um, across Facebook, which did bring in some people. But I would still say the most effective way of growing the community and, and getting more members to join was word of mouth, because um, as I'm sure the listeners um, and yourself, Simon, when when you go on social media and you get all these sponsored ads banning and, and hitting you in the face you really don't pay too much attention. So we kind of try to do it more on the grassroots fed of bring a, bring a friend along or, or bring a family, you know, a member 
um, and let them experience and, and see what it's all about and then kind of trickle it from there. Perfect. Thanks so much for the advice. Um, and, and if I understand correctly, there were also some brands that have sponsored club meetings or that were speaking at club meetings. Um, would you say that this was worth it for them? Um, maybe why, why not? And is this true for any company? Are there any specific companies that you would recommend this to? Uh, what's your thought? Yeah, sure. So so we've had uh, quite a few sponsored events over the years. Um, don't, I mean, I, I can't remember top of my head all the companies, but just to name a few like Zilliqa, Pundiex, um, those guys, when, when they were very active in, in, I would say, in the 2018 period, um, they sponsored a, a few of our events. And we also had some local Forex companies, as you guys know, Limassol and Jeremy Cyprus being the capital of the world for Forex companies. At that period of time, a lot of these FX brokerages were launching their own exchanges, their own tokens. Um, so they kind of saw this as a great opportunity to come and sponsor an event and, and come and do their pitch. Now, how effective it was, um, I don't have statistical numbers and I don't know how many of the people from the community actually joined the project. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's, it's a great way to promote within our specific community. Because as I mentioned, it's not incentive based. It's very organic and, and, and very easy, free flowing community. Um, so perhaps if, if you're a company, a, a crypto company that's looking to sponsor and, and kind of get your name out, maybe it would make more sense to kind of focus on sponsoring, let's say a little bit larger events where there's more attendees, where, where the pitches can be uh, delivered in a more professional setting instead of uh, at the pub around some beers when half of the people are chatting, half of the people are listening. So I would say it, it's definitely um, a higher priority and requirement to choose the event specifically based on kind of the, what the overall environment so if I understand you correctly here, what you're recommending is that brands should organize a professional event, I mean, an event in a professional setting, um, and then collaborate with the local crypto communities, maybe even giving them some incentive, like a financial incentive, for example, or something else to join these events. And that's going to be way more effective than sponsoring a Bitcoin and BS event. Yeah, and maybe to add to it, maybe to clarify it a little bit, you can also, instead of, for example, focusing on, I mean, collaboration with, with our type of communities is good, but also it could be good to, to launch your own, let's say, meetup or your own, let's say, pop-up conference in different regions of the world where you have the most users um, to kind of make a, make a small kind of get-home gathering, right? So, for example, I don't know if a project is really big in, say, Hong Kong. Uh, go ahead and, and, and hire a, a presentation hall in one of the hotels or, or find a trendy venue and do kind of your own pop-up event where you can bring existing community, uh, community members um, to kind of come and meet each other in, in person and also kind of to try and share through word of mouth of the people that are coming to it to, to bring new members to it. So I wouldn't say exclusively just look for collaborations. It's also uh, doing your own incentives and, and pushing your own, so to say, meetups would, would be a good idea. Excellent. And to maybe wrap this part of the conversation up, what would you recommend to companies or individuals who want to get involved with local crypto communities? Any specific tips that you can give? Any advice that you can uh, share now? Yeah, I mean, collaboration is always good. As, as the saying goes, one head is smart, but two are always smarter. So, so it's nice to kind of 
collaborate with, with other like-minded groups and, and communities. Um, my tip for people, individuals or companies that are looking to kind of to, to grow their own community is definitely it's best to focus on, on one particular aspect. So in our case, as we're called the Bitcoin Club Cyprus, our main focus is Bitcoin. Uh, that being said, we still occasionally do mention some of the alts. Uh, but we only our our so to say our 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 spirit is all in Bitcoin. So what my advice would be is focusing on a particular niche. So if you're a crypto gaming company, uh, definitely focus on growing a community about the play to earn space or generally crypto gaming specifically, instead of just doing a generic crypto community meetup or group or or whatnot um, you want to do, where you kind of bring along like-minded people that will be interested and, and share something in common and, and kind of have a have a shared value instead of trying to cater for everyone because as we know when you mention crypto it's like mentioning finance there's so many different aspects to it so my advice would be find the niche that you want to focus on um, and do the best that you can to deliver the most value to the community members because at the same time you also don't want to create a, a shill group or or shill meetups where you have you know People from, from all walks of life come and, and, and in some cases share and share unethical projects. Um, you really want to kind of focus on, on, on one specific thing and helping people evolve uh, in that shared, uh, how could we say it, shared, uh, shared aspect, basically. Excellent. So now it's finally time to also discuss the conference side of things. Because as I already mentioned, Bogdan has organized two very big conferences at least one of them had more than a thousand attendees so it were really really big events big venues uh big production costs and everything um so maybe we can start by you bogdan summarizing what exactly you did with those events uh and then maybe discuss briefly if you can what role bitcoin club cyprus played in this if anything Good question, and, and maybe just to give some context and, and kind of bring up something that came before Nakamoto's. Then the first uh, big crypto meetup, uh, crypto sorry conference that that I organized with with my team was actually the year before in mid 2018. It was May, um, I believe 10 and 11th of May 2018, where we organized a conference called iCoin Summit. Um, so after the initial conference, which I mentioned to you, end of uh, November 2017, there was nothing really happening on the island. So we decided uh, to do this iCoin Summit, which the essence of it, it was to bring um, ICO companies on stage and essentially pitch to each other and then kind of have a competition of which is the best ICO and, and, and generate some investments from, we had a, a judge slash investment panel. Um, and back then, as I'm sure you and, and some of the listeners remember, 2018 was the euphoria year of, of ICOs. And we kind of said, well, why don't we do a, a conference where these ICOs come on stage and you know share more about the project, and we have a two-way conversation instead of just looking at, at our Twitter feed and, and, and Telegram and, and just seeing announcements. And that's what we did. And the turnaround was beyond expectation. Um, also, the the turnaround time for the event we were uh, absolutely crazy. We did it in one month from the minute that we sat around the round table and we said, let's do this iCoin Summit to me standing on stage and welcoming everyone. It was in one month that we did it. And we were expecting somewhere in the region of a few hundred people, like 300, 400, 500 maybe. 
But over the two-day course, we had, I would say, even close to 2,000 people that came. Uh, it was in a, in a hotel resort, and we, we absolutely packed out the place. And it was a fantastic turnaround. And from the success of this Icon Summit, we decided, you know, let's do another one next year. However, timing wasn't best. It was February of 2019. We decided to do a little bit of a different concept. Uh, where Icon Summit only focused on on ICOs pitching and looking to raise money. The next event, which you mentioned at Komoto's Den, uh, slash a decentralized new world, as we called it, was to have projects which have already raised funds and do kind of the, the first first of its kind post-ICO battle. So projects that that have you know secured their funding, released their alphas, their betas, and or already have a working project, and then come on stage and, and kind of pitch further to to get new users and, and secure some more investors. And based off the iCoin Summit success, we rented out the biggest venue in, in our town, uh, in the old town. And we basically rented out three massive warehouses, which could accommodate even, I would say, up to like, like let's say a few thousand people. So three, four, five thousand people. And to our surprise, the, the turnover over the two days I'm not even sure if we if we crossed the 1,000 people mark. So it was much much smaller, especially on day one, which is kind of the the big buzz. We had about maybe 300, 400 the best people attend uh, during the full day. It was a bittersweet experience. So uh, uh, talking about and remembering the the Nakamoto's Den is is a bittersweet experience. But this leads to to a big lesson learned and and a tip that I would want to share with the audience is. No matter how good your idea is or how much you know capital money you have or, or investments to to do the event, in my opinion, you need to have this 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 trilogy of success, which the first pillar is the right place, second one is the right time, and the third one is the right people. If you have those three things together, then essentially magic can happen as we could as we saw with the icon summit success. And then if one of the pillars, like in our case with Nakamoto's then timing definitely wasn't right because as you guys remember, beginning of, of uh, February, 2019, that was the start. Um, not even the start, we're already going downwards. That was the, the crypto winter kicking in and certainly interest on Bitcoin and, and other crypto uh, projects was dying out. And then on top of kind of to what was the, the blow in, in, into our own kind of coffin, was we one of our guests was um, the president of Liberland, uh, which was a very controversial figure, and especially in Cyprus, where politics is how could I name it um, <laughs> a very specific uh, specific nature, and basically it's a it's a very like family run organization more than a government organization, and we even had the house speaker who was supposed to open up. Uh, the conference, and he actually declined to come because he said that the president of Liberland is not a legitimate president, and they said it's either us or him. And 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 uh, Vic, who's who's the president of Liberland, he was flying in all the way from Mexico on his own expenses, you know, really showing the the good deed and kind of the help that he wanted to to help us, you know, promote this decentralized world. I didn't have the heart to tell him, oh, actually, no, you can't come. So. Basically, in the end, it felt like also our event was boycotted, which is a little bit childish, if you ask me, especially for people high up in the government ranks to be boycotting uh, a good deed event. You know, we weren't selling, we weren't pushing anything. We were just, you know, trying to help people 
um, and connect uh, fresh minds together. So I think that was also another aspect that that basically decreased the attendance numbers. Uh, but yeah, the, the the main lesson learned from that was definitely that the timing wasn't right. So if you are looking to to organize your own event um, and something that you're currently looking into, because we are still in this current crypto winter, then definitely it would make sense to wait a little bit. Um, and, you know, having a little bit more time to plan for a conference is nothing bad. Actually, on the contrary, it's something really good. Um, and definitely don't underestimate what it takes and all the planning, organizing and, and kind of coordinating to, to do a big crypto event. Uh, you will have a lot of sleepless nights and the longer time you have to prepare. Okay, so timing definitely is one of the most important things here. Um, one idea that I had, which I wanted to bring up is, um, so if you're looking to organize a crypto conference because you're a crypto business, but it's not a good market sentiment like it is right now, obviously you will have an issue attracting enough people to that conference. So one logical strategy for me would be to combine um, the crypto topic with another exciting and, and you know, hyped tech uh, industry, for example, AI, and then make an, an AI and blockchain conference because obviously there's some overlap here and that would probably bring or boost the attendance to much, much higher numbers. What do you think about that strategy? Well, definitely, if, if you want to get the, the widest reach with, with getting the word out, I still, still to this day, the, the crypto influencers, may that be the, the podcasters, the YouTube channels, it would be a great way to, to invite them to, to attend as a speaker or, or just as a guest. And in return, you know, do a, do a little promotional video on their platform, may that be, as I mentioned, their own podcast or their own YouTube channel where they have thousands of followers. Um, and especially if you focus on influencers in a particular region. So, for example, if you're doing an event in, in London and you do the outreach and, and kind of get the big UK influencers on board, that could dramatically increase the numbers of, of attendees and, and kind of get this buzz around and, you know, kind of the excitement. Now, other ways you could uh, get, let's say, the, the, the bigger speakers on, I guess it's it's like a ladder, right? You, you can't get, uh, if you're doing, for example, Bitcoin uh, conference, Bitcoin only conference. Don't expect to reach out to Safety Namos and tell him come come along uh, and and expect him to say yeah I'll be there. Try and you know work your way up to these A listers. So get some prominent names and once you secure those prominent names, go a little bit higher and basically work your words to, towards this A lister speakers. That always, like in our case, worked uh, much better than doing an initial outreach to to these call them. Uh, crypto celebrities where, you know, they're getting bombarded with, with requests every day to, to attend all sorts of conferences and, and meetups. And in most cases, they, they decline them. So that would be another aspect. And the third tip that I would give is try and do a unique setting. So as you mentioned, Simon, combining it maybe with another technological um, aspect, may that be AI or machine learning or whatever the next big thing is, could be a smart way, or for example, VR, you don't even have to go that high up, right? Just do something that that stands out from, from the different conferences because every year we have more and more of these conferences and, and it gets very repetitive, but also there's a lot of competition. So, you know, if we look back five years ago, looking at Bitcoin, how many conferences there were, I mean, it was like a handful every year. So you kind of 
had a very little choice of where to go. Now, with so much choice, on one hand, for the visitors, it's good because they can really, you know, sit down, handpick and choose where they want to go. But for the other side, the organizer, it's a much harder job to how do I persuade someone, you know, to come to my, you know, conference instead of the the, the, the next big one, which is happening in a city down, down from us. So kind of looking for these unique um unique things and, and more than that i mean conference when when you organize a conference it doesn't finish there you have the the not even the after parties but before the conference starts you have the speaker's dinner setting so you know some things to keep in mind food for thought you know you need to find a nice venue where you're going to do it you need to organize what's going to be happening there is it just going to be a formal event is it going to be more casual is there music sitting arrangements transportation especially since most visitors will be coming from abroad i mean it's it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare when when you look at the entire picture and then of course after every day's event you have the after parties or you have different events for example the exclusive vip members and, and speakers go on a boat trip um there's a lot of things that you can incorporate to make it more attractive for people to fly into your country to to kind of be a part of this experience so it's not just, oh, let's rent out the hall, you know, put on a stage, put some lighting and sound, and, you know, we're good to go. There's uh, a lot more details and, and preparations behind the scenes, which need to be uh, taken into consideration. Excellent. And what other tips can you give to someone who would like to host or market a crypto conference? Um, let's maybe start with budgeting. What advice can you give there? Where to cut budget? Where to add and, and calculate with more budget. What, what's your thoughts on that? So budgeting is a, it's a very open-ended question. <clears throat> it depends on, first of all, how are, you, how are you looking to fund this conference? If, if you have your own, let's say, your own capital that you want to deploy, um, and depending on how much capital you have, that's going to dictate how big of a conference you're going to do, right? Because if you want to do, let's say, if you have a budget, just realistically, let's say $10,000 or 10,000 euros, you're not going to go and, and do this whole big hotel conference and all these dinners and everything because, you know, the, the budget's not going to stretch very far. But the technique that we use and, and I guess all other conferences use is you sell sponsorship packages. Um, you have a different tier. So you have the, call it the platinum or the main sponsor, which gives like the bulk of the money um, that is going to be used towards essentially bringing this conference to life. And then you have smaller tier, like the silver, the bronze supporting and, and media sponsors, uh, which trickles down. And together by getting all these sponsorships, you should be able to have a, a nice amount of capital to, to bring your idea to life without actually investing none of your own funds into it. If you want to invest your own funds, that's even better because you have skin in the game and kind of you have more resources to, to work with. Uh, but from the the budgeting aspect, like where are the biggest costs? Definitely renting out the venue is one of the major ones. And then after renting the venue, definitely the audiovisual um, was by far the, the second biggest um, cost. Because at a conference, it's super important to have high quality audio and, and visual. So going back to the iQueen Summit, we had uh, back then, I believe it was the biggest LED screen that any conference ever had in Cyprus, not just crypto, just across the board, we had the whole back wall of, of the conference was a massive LED wall, which was built, which I believe was somewhere in the region of 25 meters um, horizontally. And, and it was it was like a wow factor. When you stepped into that big main speaker's hall, just the whole back wall was alive. And, and you know, 
going back to giving the wow factor and doing something different instead of just having a small pop-up stage, you really want to impact the visitors from the first few seconds when they step in and, and kind of show them that, you know, this is the real deal. It's, it's not just a little crypto meetup. So definitely venue, audiovisual, um, a lot of money is also then spent on booths and actually fitting out the venue because the venues usually they come to an empty shell. It's empty, so you need to do a lot of um, your own stuff. And once again, how crazy you can you do the setting is how much money you have allocated. A, is that your own investment or how much money you have left over after you paid off the venue, paid off the audiovisual companies, how much you have left to kind of fit out and create the playground, so to say, for, for the visitors. Um, that will be visiting your conference. And then, of course, the food and beverage stuff. And But this is, as you mentioned, kind of what are some ways that you could save? Perhaps, you know, not having an open bar could limit uh, expenses. Maybe doing one dinner instead of an opening dinner, first time dinner, closing dinner, having three dinners instead of just doing one big, big one. So, I mean, there's ways to minimize costs, but the, the main big ones are definitely renting the venue and the audiovisual are. I would say more than 50% of bulk. And what can you tell us about speakers? Um, is it, how, sh how would you approach getting speakers to a conference? Are you paying for them? How much are you paying? Um, are you paying for some, you know, how does that exactly work? And, and what are your recommendations there? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned John McAfee. We, we actually reached out to his team while Back then, he was, he was still with us on this earth, and uh, we wanted to have him as an A-list speaker at the Komodo's Den. Uh, but then, yeah, going back to, to what you also mentioned, Simon, um, his request was out of our reach. Um, it was in the region of $50,000 that he, he wanted to get paid to attend the conference, plus all the transportation costs from the Bahamas or the Caribbean, wherever he was sailing on his boat back then. Uh, for him and his whole team, which was 10 people. So, yeah, that was definitely out of the budget. Um, and some of the speakers we managed to 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 kind of persuade to come. We, we, we just paid for their accommodations. Um, so, you know, you can always find a middle ground. Instead of just saying, you know, pay your full expenses, you know, you could just get them accommodation and, you know, do something more special for them at the actual venue. Um, in some cases, uh, speakers do want, you know, the full package and get paid on top. Now, would that be a smart idea or not? It's, uh, I guess it's a, it's a coin flip, right? It could work or it can backfire. So it depends on who is this person and, and how much kind of, how much impact, impact and influence that person has in, in the specific niche that you're focusing the conference on. Um, it could work, but from our experience, we the only thing that we paid for the, the, the A-lister speakers was accommodations and uh, kind of the food and beverage during the, the, the two days. So we didn't overstep that because we didn't have the budget. Now, the marketing for it, uh, we, of course, run ads across, you know, the usual social medias, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. Um, but that was more just to, to create the buzz awareness. Ticket sales, to, to my surprise, um, they weren't that prominent. There, there was some people that bought the tickets, but in our case, for both conferences, we gave out a lot of free tickets because in our essence, it was the, the majority of income. We weren't relying on selling tickets. It was securing big sponsorships to be able to deliver this conference. And then the next kind of priority for us was to fill out the places. So 
instead of you know lowering the prices for the for the tickets we actually gave out so bcc we gave all the community members free attendance for it and of course to their family and friends so um, and of course, all the supporting sponsors and all the guest booth exhibitors, you know, we get them numerous from 10 to 20 tickets per per, uh, per organization. So we tried to fill out the place that way. So I think it's also instead of you focusing to see how much you can, you know, generate income on, on selling tickets, the priority should be filling out the place and, you know, really uh, getting as many, you know, heads through the door as possible. That makes a lot of sense. Um... All right, guys, I guess this is it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Blockchain Marketing Podcast. Um, and of course, thanks so much to Bogdan for joining us today and sharing your insights uh, and thoughts on local communities and conferences. And if you guys at home know someone who wants to start a local community or wants to use local communities for marketing or who maybe even is in the process of organizing a crypto conference or at least is thinking about it then be sure to share this episode with them i'm sure it will provide value to them and um bogdan if someone wants to talk to you directly and ask some questions about what we discussed here today what's the best way for them to reach you um probably the best place would, would be twitter which is at bogdan92 very nice and simple. So that's B O G D A N 92. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show. And, and yeah, if you have any questions or want to reach out, feel free to. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. See you in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Blockchain Marketing Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and let us know what you want to learn about next by leaving us a review. And if you need marketing strategies and guaranteed PR to generate leads for your Web 2 or Web 3 company, reach out to us at polygrowth.io. Join us next time for the Blockchain Marketing Podcast.